What's up, sons and daughters? It's Sam Jesse, and I am back after a two-week hiatus with the crew from the Locks of Saturday, Chris, Robert, Ed, and Brett. Guys, welcome back. It's been a few weeks. We had to take a week off last week, but we are back, and we have a new leader in the clubhouse. Brett has been dethroned, and yours truly, coming off a four-in-one weekend, is in first place. 27-18 and 18 against the spread. That is nine games. Over 500, that is making you money, people. Someone else making you money is Robert in second place at 25 and 20, coming off a two and three week. Brett, still in the contention at third place. You're tied with Robert at 25 and 20 after a one and four week, though. Not your best effort. Mike is behind him at 21, 24. Chris at 19 and 26. And Ed at 18 and 27. Ed was ha- Ed had a couple good weeks in a row. Fell off the cliff last week, but a lot of football left to be played. We are in week 11, week 11. The season is in its final third. As we are here in November, we got Maction tonight. We got weekday games left and right. Conference divisions being decided, but we're going to start out with conference that doesn't have divisions. The Big 12, Oklahoma is minus six at Baylor. Guys, big noon kickoff on Fox. 12 p.m. Over-under is 63. This has been a rivalry game that has brought a lot of great moments. Heisman moment for RG3. Great comeback uh, from Charlie Brewer in that Baylor game. I remember that for the rest of my life. One of the best comebacks I've ever watched. Big game. Overall, how are we feeling about this weekend's slate? And in particular, this game before I get to my pick. I think as far as like playoff implications go, it's not a very uh, significant slate, but I think that there's still a lot of fun games on here. Yeah, I agree. I think (laughs) Purdue and Ohio State, though, I mean, Purdue has some sort of affinity with beating, with ending playoff contenders. So who knows? But we'll get to that later. Does this game... Uh, if if Oklahoma doesn't win this one, are they completely out? Uh, yeah, probably because they're ranked so well already. The, that, the biggest, uh, the biggest Baylor fans this week are are uh, is basically the SEC West is essentially what is going to be the biggest pro, or just the SEC overall because it's starting to look more and more like we're 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 heading down the path where two SEC teams is a high likelihood even if there are two one-loss teams or even a possible two-loss Bama. The stage is getting set. We can see this train headed down the tracks, and we all know where it's going. It's just whether or not uh, some of these teams can at least hold their spots. I feel like that's where we're at right now with the college football playoff is is the current teams that are ranked in there, that kind of, uh, was it, three, four, five, six, seven, everyone's just holding on to their spot for dear life. And just giving, if any loss happens, it's just giving more room for Bama to, to mess up one more time. Well, I think Cincinnati is, is okay well. if the task is, if the task at hand here is the four best teams, that is okay. Yep. I Cincinnati, looking at this one as well, this is a big game, an upset spot potentially for Oklahoma. Let's look at some against the spread numbers for these two teams. Let's start with the Oklahoma Sooners. In their last five against the Baylor Bears, they are one and four against the spread. In their last nine road games on a Saturday, Oklahoma, three and six against the spread. Flip it to the other side, the home Baylor Bears, six and two against the spread. 
in eight games this year, or in the last eight games for this year, and they are 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games at home. This game is in Waco, Texas again. So for me, if I'm looking at this game and I'm looking at maybe the most important stat is I covered a couple games of that, but Baylor has this thing for beating Oklahoma at home. Baylor seven and three against the spread versus Oklahoma in their last 10. It's happening for about a decade now. And I really think this is one where you could look at Baylor money line. It's plus 180 on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. I like Baylor plus six. I, I just think they're a much better team at home. And we haven't really believed in them at home. Baylor is outscoring opponents 211 to 104 at home this year. And that includes games against Iowa State and Baylor. Baylor at home, excuse me, BYU. They are Baylor. BYU and Iowa State both are home wins for Baylor. I like the Bears outright in this one, but I'll take the points at plus six. And I think this is the game that gives Cincinnati little bit of a leg up, and I'll tell you what another team to look out for, Oklahoma State, the old rival of Oklahoma. They're a team to look out for towards the end of this season if chaos ensues. Yeah, I mean, I know that Oklahoma hasn't been great. Uh, They've been, we'll say, consistently inconsistent, but I still think that they are clearly the better, more talented team. I mean, you look at what Caleb Williams is doing, since taking over, he's the highest graded, the number one highest rated quarterback, according to pro football focus in the country. Um, I have Baylor on fraud alert, to be honest. Like that loss last week to TCU, that's a bad loss. They lost to a team that just fired their, like, essentially their Frank Beamer and lost to that team in their first game since firing their coach. Uh, and I think that, I think that, these rankings may have actually awoken something in Oklahoma. Um, Cause obviously Cincinnati felt slighted by being ranked number six, but if you're Oklahoma, you're undefeated in a power five conference and you're put at number eight. I mean, that has to, if, if they don't get a kick in the rear end from this, then they're not going to, I'll put it that way. And Lincoln Riley knows how to make the playoff. That's just what he does. He takes Oklahoma to the playoff. What he does when he gets there, that's another question, but he has been so good at getting Oklahoma in that top four. Um, and I, I think it kind of starts this weekend. They realize that they need some style points if they want to really have a shot at it. So I see Oklahoma winning this game by multiple scores. Uh, so with only a touchdown needed to cover, uh, first game we're picking, and I'm already going to lock it in. Yeah, I've taken way too much chalk the last few weeks, and that's really hurt me. Honestly, I've had a rough go at it. Um, I think overall I'm down, like, I think I'm 10 and 15 in the last three weeks on my own picks just outside of the lock Saturday. I've taken way too much chalk, and I hate doing this, but I'm, I agree with Irby here. I'm taking chalk again with the Sooners. I think they are the better team. I was going to point out the TCU loss last week to Baylor. I have them on fraud award as well. Um, I think – like you said, Robert, Rob Lincoln Riley knows how to get to the playoff. He knows how to win, knows how to win games, even though they can grind it out like that Kansas game, disgusting. Uh, they knew if good teams find a way to win. I think they find a way to win here, even though Baylor's had their number at home and their numbers in the last you know decade. Uh, yeah, I like the Sooners here, minus six. I'm not going to lock it in, um, but 
Yeah, I like Suter here minus six. All right, Sam, we're going to test your, your recent hot streak here because I'm about to put the Chris Stink on your pick a little bit because I also like the Baylor Bears. Uh, I, I agree with every single point that you, uh, you, you provided in, in your segment, especially how well they do versus Oklahoma at home. That seems to be agnostic of coach. But from a very early podcast, uh, I remember calling out Dave Miranda and just how much I believe in him and his weekly preparation and getting his team up ready to play, especially, you know, in such a short series of time for where he came in last year and definitely had, a, you know, the kind of the early, early coaching struggles during COVID and everybody kind of wrote Baylor off. And then here they are uh, almost right back where they should be uh, from when uh, Matt Rule left. So I won't go into much of the trend stats, but I've just wanted to look at the two teams and just in terms of their performance, uh, both against uh, like opponents and just where they rank out in uh, PFF and starting with PFF, these two teams graded out, you know, somewhat variable across the board, but in terms of, you know, their, their scoring, they're, they're kind of neck and neck. So there really isn't kind of a, a graded report differentiation between the two programs. This isn't a disparity across the offensive and defensive side of the football in terms of uh, how they're actually scoring out. We look at their school ratings uh, in terms of their ability to kind of perform uh, above par versus their like opponents and their schedules. And they're still lumped together pretty close. I think Oklahoma, I'm looking at is 17th overall. Baylor uh, is 26, and that's only about a 1.3 uh, points off in the SRS rating. So, uh, you know, that is also another one where, you know, it, it, it trends with what we're seeing on PFF. And then this was the thing for me, because in order to kind of break the tiebreaker a little bit, I had to look at our old friend at Sharp College Football uh, just to kind of see if there was some sort of large variance there. And it ends up there was. So this is a six point spread with Oklahoma at Baylor. So they're essence saying that Oklahoma would be a nine point favorite in Norman, Oklahoma. And so Sharp looks at everything on it on a neutral site of which if these teams thinking in the spread this week is that Oklahoma is nine points better. It's a zero spread. It's a pick them on sharp college football with a 50% obviously win probability between the two teams. So uh, that to me, it shows me that they are equal teams. So if I'm getting six points, I'm getting almost a touchdown. I'm taking those points, taking the home team uh, and bake everything in the same uh, kind of what you said and, and, Obviously, with uh, how bad Brett's been doing, I feel pretty good picking against them this week. Uh, so thank you, Brett. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Baylor Bears. And uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll see what this This is going to be like a little experiment. So can I stop Sam's momentum? And can I reignite Brett's previous uh, footing in, in, in standings here? So we'll, we'll have to earmark this for next week and see what happens. I don't know if I want that kind of voodoo involved in my picks. I'm doing pretty well here. Hey. Here comes. All right, Ed, round us out with this one, a game that could shake up the college football playoff. The rankings for the college football playoff, by the way, we're recording this Tuesday night. They do come out momentarily. Yeah, I was wondering when they come out. Um, I'm also going to go Oklahoma here. I think they're the better program. That Maybe not the better coach, but probably the better overall program. Uh, of course, historically, they definitely are. But at the moment, I think they're the better team. Uh, and I know for a fact they have the better quarterback. Caleb Williams has been fantastic since they kicked uh, Spencer Rattler to the curb over the, down there in Norman. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma here to cover the six. 
Um, if it gets any higher than that, I will start to have second thoughts. But at six, I like Oklahoma. Uh, I think they found their quarterback and they're going to hit their stride here and uh, make a push to the playoff and then probably get blown out by Georgia. But for now, I'm going to go with Oklahoma here to cover the six. It will be a sleepy game there in Waco, I think. It's really, really early kickoff in Central Texas. So that that could play a factor into this game. Let's move it to another playoff contender. This team at home. Purdue plus 20 is at Ohio State. The Buckeyes looking to weasel their way into the college football playoff after another early season loss. But Purdue, the Giant Slayers. 17 wins against a top five team when not ranked. Six more than any other program in the country. This game is on ABC at 3.30. The over-under is 61. Similar to how Baylor has just kind of had Oklahoma's number in recent years, so has Purdue with Ohio State. Purdue is 8-3 and three against the spread in their last 11 versus Ohio State. And I, I just think that 20 is such an astronomically large number for this matchup. But it's not an astronomically large number in the history of Ohio State with Vegas. Listen to this. Since 2017, so about the past five seasons, Ohio State has been favored by 20 or more points 28 times. (laughs) 28 times. They are 16 and 12 against the spread in those games. So even though 20 seems like a monstrous spread for this game. It's not unprecedented for Ohio State. And more often than not, Ohio State does cover this. But I think Purdue is going to be able to keep it close. I am not quite sure Ohio State has really proven uh, defensively that they are any better than what we saw against Minnesota and Oregon. They simply haven't played very good football teams. Ohio State is the number 63 strength of schedule right now. I mean, that includes games against Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, and Nebraska. None of those are very good football teams. They, the only good football teams they've played, Minnesota, who, is, who lost to Bowling Green. They won that by 14. They lost and to Illinois. <laughs> they lost to Oregon by seven, and they beat Penn State by nine. Ohio State's coming off back-to-back nine-point wins. I don't understand why we would expect them to all of a sudden play good enough defense to win a game by 20 against a better team, one of the best teams that they've played all year. I think Purdue here is a safer bet. Will they win the game? Most likely not. Will it be close? Most likely not, but it doesn't have to be close. You just need Purdue to show up. I think they're going to show up. Purdue plus 20 feels pretty good to me. I have one name that I think is kind of the one guy who's the key to this whole game. And it's not CJ Stroud. It's not Travion Henderson. It's not Chris Olave. It is Aiden O'Connell, the starting quarterback for Purdue, former walk-on. The kid is a gunslinger. Whether he's playing well or not, he's going to throw the ball. Uh, He likes to take some risks, um, just kind of play pretty free and loose out there. And as he goes, so does Purdue. Um, When he takes care of the ball, they win. And when he doesn't, they lose. Um, And when I say take care of the ball, I don't just mean interceptions, but also in avoiding sacks. Um, So if he's under pressure and he's throwing picks, they're going to lose. And that's kind of what Ohio State tries to force. 
Um, Ohio State's defense from a yardage standpoint is really not that good. They give up over 350 yards a game. Um, they're kind of this get punched, then punch harder defense. It's like, like they're, so they give up a lot of yards, but they're first in the big 10 in sacks and second in the big 10 in interceptions. Uh, and this is interesting. They average 26 yards per interception return, which is nuts. So if they pick off a pass, like there's statistic, it's statistically probable that they'll gain at least a quarter of the field. That's crazy. Um, and so instead of shutting teams down, they basically like Ohio State's just going to let them get to the 25, then rattle off two sacks and take them out of field goal range or, you know, pick off a pass and return it to the other side of the field. Like it's kind of a bend, but don't break defense. And I think if O'Connell can just avoid those types of plays, uh, Purdue has a shot to cover here, um, you know, and, and they're two pretty bad losses to Minnesota and Wisconsin. O'Connell had four interceptions, was sacked eight times, and only threw two touchdowns. Whereas in their three really kind of marquee wins at number two, Iowa, at Nebraska, and at home versus number three, Michigan State last week, he had seven or sorry, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, and was sacked only five times. Uh, definitely lives for the big moment in those games against number two, Iowa, and number three, Michigan State. He had total QBR of 98.2 and 95.6. Um, and that's also coming from a guy who doesn't really run the ball a lot. So I think he he loves the spotlight. He loves the big game. I think O'Connell will be up for this one. Uh, Ohio State's offense has been shaky. And so, I, like Sam said, I do think Ohio State probably still wins, but 20 points is a huge spread. And I, I could see Purdue keeping this to 14, maybe even a 10-point loss. Yeah, I'm, I'm also on Purdue here. I'm not going chalk here. It's burned me too many times even though this feels like kind of like a a spot where after Purdue just, you know, pretty much manhandled uh, Michigan State last week, who I've said neither of those teams, Michigan and Michigan State, are actually that good, and that was proven last week. They've just – they made each other look good and they played each other, but they haven't played anybody. They've struggled against some pretty bad teams. But so I'm glad that's out of the picture that both of those teams aren't that great. Um, that being said – Ohio State's defense, 96 in the country in passing yards um, given up. So not very good. And for Purdue, that pretty much solely throws the ball. They're eighth in the country, which has kind of gone, gone against, like, what Jeff Brom has seemed like he's done in the last, you know, four, you know, four or five years. But I'm on Purdue here. Um, no, I don't think they're able to do it again, beating a team like Ohio State or Michigan State. I think Ohio State's league's better than Michigan State. I think they'd run them out of the building. Um, but I think, like Sam and Herbie have said, I think they're able to keep it within two scores. Um, 20 points, that's a rat line. I mean, really, they can't. Vegas can't give us, you know, one more. But, uh, yeah, I like, 20, I like Purdue here. I think they're able to – they're good enough to keep it close, especially with Ohio State's defense being suspect in the passing game. No, I hate continuing the trend pick here for Purdue, and we're all looking at them as just the undervalued underdog – and, and it's always a great place to be. And when you're getting 20 points, and to me, that is where the value is. It's, it's just math at this point. Bet the number, you know, not the teams. We constantly kind of bang that drum in this podcast at all times. And even if you look at recent performance of their run game and the fact that Purdue is not very good against the run and they have Travion Henderson, who's a sore subject for a lot of Hokie fans out there because he resided previously in the Commonwealth of Virginia and went out of state 
Um, you would just think that they would run him 30 plus times in this game and do one of those kind of what we had seen in previous Ohio state type performances when they have an elite running back and he could have like a 30 plus carry 250 yard type game with a bunch of touchdowns. And it's an absolute blowout in the shoe. Uh, I just, I don't know if people realize just how good Purdue is. So this isn't even like a points pick and a value of almost getting three touchdowns. This is just, a, I believe Purdue is a pretty good football team. They're not elite, but they're not bad. They're, they are competent. And if you look at how Ohio State has performed against the more competent side of the schedule, they're not blowing those teams out. They've only won, I think, about an average margin of about uh, right around 10 points against the, the better competition. So I just don't know if that's the way they're built this year is to blow teams out, um, that are at least the good ones. And so just give me 20 points, uh, and I'm just going to, hope for the best. And that's, uh, I guess they can find a way to score. And they, I mean, Purdue can find a way to consistently score and keep up because I do feel like Ohio State's going to score a lot and a lot of it's going to come from them on the ground. Yeah. I just think it's too many points. Uh, hashtag too many points, just like last night with the bears, what a cover that was. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. A big 10 game against, like Chris said, competent teams i like purdue here that's just a lot of points uh which means Ohio State's gonna win by 25 and we're all gonna look silly I, I don't know i just i think it's way too many points for a game like this i do worry a little bit about purdue being uh maybe a little sleepy not from a you know they're not paying attention to this game standpoint obviously they're paying attention to this game it's ohio state but coming off of such a awesome win last week against Michigan State, I do worry about like a slow start for Purdue, but if they can just, you know, only hope to contain the passing attack of Ohio State, and I think they'll be able to score enough points, like Chris said, to stay within the 20 on this one. I think this is a great game for the over. The over right now, uh, I just checked DraftKings Live. The line has actually moved to Purdue plus 20 and a half, and the over-under has moved up to 62. I still think the over for this one, two high-flying offenses, Two defenses that have the ability to play well, but still have shown signs of struggling this year. So I really like the over in this one. Let's take it down south. Let's get out of the cold mid- Midwest. Let's take it down to Mississippi. I feel like we pick the Ole Miss Rebels every single week on this show, but by golly, they are always in a top 20 matchup and they're in another one this week. The Texas A&M Aggies are two point favorites heading to Mississippi. This is a big one. And for me, it all leans Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, So quick against the spread trends for the Aggies, they're four and one against the spread in their last five. They're five and oh against the spread on the road in their last five. Uh, Texas A&M is three and oh against the spread versus the Ole Miss Rebels in their last three. Flip the side of the ball. Ole Miss is one and seven in their last eight against the spread versus the SEC West. And Ole Miss is one and two straight up versus top 25 competition this year. In those games against top 25 competition, the Rebels are being outscored 124 to 93. For me, Ole Miss is such a risky play. Chris, I will I will allow you to talk about Matt Corral, your Heisman hopeful, who went from having his name already etched on that trophy to kind of sliding away. He's dealt with some injury issues. He's a quarterback that runs a lot. He takes a lot of hits that does not bode well against the Texas A&M defense. That is nasty. 
And you know what? I, I just don't think this Ole Miss offense is the same as what it was. And, you know, we talk about this on the show. We talked about it um, ad nauseum with Clemson. You have to take what you think about a team preseason and throw it away once you get about a third of the way season in. But now we're about two-thirds of the way in. We need to kind of recalibrate what we think of the Ole Miss offense. They're averaging just over 27 points per game in their last four since they played that barn burner with Arkansas. Uh, I don't know if 28 points, considering how poor they've played at deep on defense, is going to be enough in this game. And, and Texas A&M's the best team that they've played in the last four by far. Uh, I, I just think Texas A&M is more battle-tested. They're 2-1 and one against the top 25 straight up this year. I like it. I like Texas A&M in this one. This was a tough one for me. Uh, I mean, obviously with close line, it's always going to be tough. But to me, it it comes down to trust. Do I trust Texas A&M's offense? No, I do not. Do I trust their secondary? A little bit more, but no. Do I trust their rush defense? Absolutely. Do I trust Ole Miss's ability to run the ball? Eh, kind of. Do I trust Matt Corral? I think so. And I think that that is going to be the difference maker. Um, I know that AM is going to, they're going to stop the run like they always do. But I think this is a game where Corral can go after what I see is kind of a somewhat vulnerable secondary. Um, it's not, it's not a bad secondary by any means, but AM has been a little bit more susceptible to quarterbacks who can throw the ball. Example, Bryce Young. Um, and so if Corral can get back on track, I mean, he's he's much more likely to make enough winning plays than Zach Calzada is. I don't trust Calzada at all. Um, so I'll take the two points for the home team in this one, but I won't do so confidently. I have one person that I think there's another person on this podcast that absolutely adores and that makes a difference in this game. Mike Elko. And that's why I think this will be one of the better defenses Mississippi faces this year. I think Texas A&M's defense is far and beyond better than Alabama's defense. Um, they're second in the country in scoring defense. Um, there's really no introduction that's needed for them. That's been their key. The Cuban missile and Calzada has been uh, shaky at times. You know, the kid wants it. He's, he's cried on camera. You got to give it to him. He's wants, he wants it. He wants to play. Um, but I mean, Last week, Ole Miss dominated the first half against Liberty. They kind of let off the gas, let them come back into the game. Uh, they looked pretty bad against Auburn, honestly. I thought they were going to blow Auburn out of the park, as Irby also did. Um, so, I don't know. This, this is a tough game, but I really like Texas A. I think I like Texas A&M here. Um, even though it's they're the favorites away in Oxford, uh, we've talked about Ole Miss all year. Obviously, Matt Corral is the difference maker. I think their defense is going to be able to make enough plays to get him on the ground and get him making some mistakes um, to keep this game under control and pretty much pull out a win at Oxford, which I don't think is a very difficult place to win in general. So, yeah. yeah. And real quick about Mike Elko and the Texas A&M defense over the last four games, only allowing 17 points per game about. That includes the matchup against Alabama. Agreed. Yeah. So I was uh, I was emotionally conflicted in this one because I both have real actual love for Matt Corral as my dark horse preseason Heisman candidate, who I, I will continue to toot that horn because I believe he's as of 
Uh, I've just checked the Vegas insider odds uh, for the most recent poll on November 7th, and he's down to plus 450. So he did have some kind of back and forth type games, especially against Auburn. He took a little bit of a hit through a pick. I think he scored one on the ground, but he didn't throw any through the air. But his volume stats are still there, and he still has that kind of 50-50 split in terms of his passing and rushing touchdowns. So overall, the numbers are there, and they will continue to be there, I believe, regardless of opponent. The one thing to consider is, is he is battling injury currently. He got banged up pretty bad in the Auburn game, and this week's opponent doesn't offer that much of a reprieve because I, I believe if I'm pronouncing his name right, you have DeMarvin Leal just staring you right in the face. He is that next uh, level candidate in terms of probably the number two defensive tackle in the SEC and probably in the nation because obviously uh, the Georgia defensive line exists and, and they definitely have it going over there. But he is a formidable person to be facing, um, especially when you're injured and you're thinking about not getting crunched all game. But just kind of backing back out and what I think this game actually represents. This is ultimate kind of styles of play kind of combating against each other. So as much as we want to believe that Jimbo Fisher is this offensive kind of minded coach and he is, he just doesn't have that this year with this team uh, just due to uh, personnel and the fact that his understudy quarterback in Calzada is just not there to consistently win week to week in the SEC, and I think that is going to be the case this week on the road in Oxford. Uh, I just I don't have the trust, kind of what Irby was alluding to, that they'll have enough offense to be able to, uh, I guess, deliver a road win. They're, they're showing right now as a two-point favorite. If you look at some of the comparisons, uh, I believe this is a neutral, strike, neutral site even game, which means at home, Auburn should be a three-point favorite, so it's about a five-point type point spread value swing there if you're thinking about the fact that Texas A&M is a two-point road favorite. And then you look at all the other kind of just evaluative stats in terms of each team's performance. They're right by each other in terms of, uh, uh, was it, school ratings um, and also PFF and how they grade out different styles nonetheless, but just that kind of higher-level numbers, numerical score for each program right now. And that is where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. It's just the value of taking a lesser road quarter, excuse me, the value of betting against a lesser road quarterback and taking just the better overall home quarterback in this one. And that's where I'm putting my money on this week. Um, I do feel like what we saw earlier in the year with Ole Miss playing Alabama, I think Alabama presents different types of schematic type issues for a lot of teams. And, you know, Ole Miss was definitely one of those teams. I just, I don't have the faith that Texas A&M can deliver that Alabama or even to a lesser extent that Auburn style offense to be able to, I guess, in this case, put up enough points to be able to pull the game out. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than people probably think. Um, I, I wonder what Lane Kiffin's going to dial up and how many risks he's going to take on fourth down and kind of weird field position type things. But, uh, he hasn't had a lot of luck in a lot of those kind of chances he's taken. My guess is there's some sort of regression back to the norm and he maybe hits on a couple of those because he's going to have to do in order to consistently move this ball with a somewhat compromised Matt Corral this week, but, um, just continue the trend. And I, I have to back the, the bigger investment I had this year, which is, Matt Corral is my dark horse Heisman game, so I do think he's going to put up enough numbers to win this game at home. Yeah, I agree. I'm going Ole Miss here uh, at home with the points, and 
for all the same reasons that Chris just laid out, which probably isn't good that we're agreeing so much considering we're in last and second to last. But, <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm will you guys quit agreeing with me? Please. Run the college station, everybody. Just go ahead and throw it down as yeah, fast really. as you possibly can. At least you're recognizing yeah, I just gotta your problem. go with a better quarterback. Well, yeah, true. I just got to go with a better quarterback here. Matt Corral, I mean, assuming health aside, is the better quarterback, probably the best. Well, I don't know. There's some defensive players who are probably the best players in the game, but most impactful player here has got to be Matt Corral. Uh, Ole Miss likes to sling it anyway. Lane Kiffin needs a good win like this. Um, and I just don't trust Texas A&M. Even after that Alabama win, I, I I don't really trust them at all. Uh, so I'm going to go with Matt Corral and Ole Miss to be able to throw the ball enough to win this game, and I don't trust A&M to keep up offensively. So Ole Miss and the points at home with the better player and the you know Heisman hopeful quarterback. Should be a fun game. Again, that one is on ESPN at 7 o'clock. The over-under for it's just 55-and-a-half. Um, I, you know, Texas A&M, they do have some offensive issues, but I could easily see a game that ends like 31, 28. You could see that. Um, I also sneaky feeling for an overtime game in this one, sneaky feeling for overtime. Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe look at that over. All right, let's bring it to the East coast. The de facto Atlantic division championship game in the ACC. This one will kick off at 7.30 on the ACC Network. The North Carolina State Wolfpack. Two-point dogs going to Winston-Salem and the Demon Deacons. A Wake Forest has actually, speaking of you know, any sort of home field advantage, has done a phenomenal job. They've gotten about 80% of the student population at every football game this year. So credit to them. Credit to what Dave Clawson has built at Wake Forest. Uh, it's a small school, very small school. Um, it's about the size of, you know, a high school in Northern Virginia, but Hey, it's not going to be the easiest environment for NC state to play. It certainly won't be difficult, but maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Again, NC state is plus two in this one over under 66 and a half. And I, I think the story for this game, we all saw the highlights from Wake Forest UNC is you have NC state a team with a good offense and a good defense versus a team in Wake Forest with a great, a capital G great offense and an awful defense, an atrocious defense. Their fourth quarter against North Carolina was a travesty to the sport of football. They're awful. Dave Clawson seems have never been good at defense. Here, Virginia Tech fans, listen to this. Heed my warning. Dave Clawson's team have never been good at defense. They have always been awful. They rely on winning shootout games. And this is one where I'm a little bit worried that they're going to get in a slugfest and not be able to pull it out. I think NC State is going to be the much more physical team, especially at the line of scrimmage. NC State has not been great running the ball, even with uh, like Bam Knight and some really good running backs. Uh, NC State is 101st in EPA per rush offense this year. They have not been great. But where NC State has been really good this year offensively is with the pass. Devin Leary has been phenomenal. NC State has number 11 EPA per pass offense in the country. They, I have a feeling 
they feel disrespected in this game. They're the underdogs where they've played a much tougher schedule, the number 58 strength of schedule in the country versus Wake Forest's 85th strength of schedule in the country. And not only have they played a tougher schedule, but they have a better strength of record. They have the number 17 strength of record in the country. Even with those two losses, I think NC State is being greatly disrespected nationally and even within the ACC. I think they go and I think they win this one in a game that is surprisingly lower scoring. NC State is going to want to, they're going to want to muddy the waters a bit on Wake Forest. I think defensively, they are without a few key pieces as linebackers, but it really hasn't mattered. They've still filled in those positions very well. I think NC State is the more talented team. They're going to go into Winston-Salem and they're going to win this game. Devin Lear is going to have a big game. Uh, I, I just, I don't see Wake Forest's defense being good enough to, to consistently keep this up. Like we saw what UNC was able to do down the stretch. Wake Forest now has the number 99 EPA per pass defense. They have uh, the number 96 EPA per rush defense. They're just not good. They're not good defensively. And it, you can't win football games playing how Wake Forest had played football games for those first eight games. I mean, I, I do love everything about this game. I mean, I think that we're basically seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we're basically seeing the conference's best offense versus its best defense. Um, and as much as I would want to gravitate towards uh, State after Wake's, you know, pretty horrible loss to UNC, I don't think that's the right move. Um, so I think that UNC's offense created a much worse, a much larger matchup issue uh, for Wake's defense than State will. Um, and I mean, Sam has hit on a lot of on a lot of Wake's issues as a defense, um, but I think those issues really only lie in their front seven, and specifically their ability to tackle and stop the run. I mean, that's kind of the thing is if you don't have elite athletes on your defense, they're typically not going to be able to tackle well. Um, that said, I don't think their secondary is really that bad. Um, in pure like passing yards defense, uh, Wake's secondary is actually at this point better than NC State's. They're pretty comparable um, in total yardage per game. But even though UNC scored 58 points last week, Sam Howell only threw for 216 yards. His average going into that game was 274. The reason why UNC was able to just blow Wake's defense out of the water was because Sam Howell and Ty Chandler combined for 317 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. Um, Army had three guys run for 90 or more yards against Wake. Syracuse in that, you know, uh, overtime shootout in the Carrier Dome had Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker run for 331 yards. Wake is susceptible to strong rushing attacks. And you may think that with, and Sam has touched on this, and with with Bam Knight and Ricky Person being there, both talented backs, you know, that State's rushing attack would at least be somewhat viable. But NC State ranks dead last in the ACC in rushing. Dead last. Like worse than UVA. And Leary has been very efficient. You know, he just had that really long, not, uh, no interception streak break where he'd thrown like 326 passes without a pick or something like that. But that being said, I don't think 
you can trust him enough to, especially given that Wake's secondary isn't really a pushover, I don't think you can trust Leary enough to keep up, to keep pace with this offense that Wake is bringing to the table. Um, I do agree with Sam to a degree that it will be a little lower scoring than you might think. I think State's defense will be good enough to keep Wake from, you know, putting up crazy numbers. But I mean, I feel like Wake will probably score at least 30, probably upwards of 35 points even still, because that's just what they do. Um, And I don't see Leary and the State offense doing enough to keep up. Yeah, I think this is a get-back game for Wake Forest. I mean, playing at home at Truist Field really doesn't mean a whole lot. Honestly, it's not like, you know, playing it. You know, it's not some dooming place to play for NC State. I don't think being at home is where that makes much of a difference, but I think this is a get-back game for Wake Forest. Um, I have to, I, I think offensively, I have to disagree. I think Wake Forest is the more talented team offensively, and I think they're the better coach football team offensively. They actually had some slip-up last week. Discipline-wise, that is very uncharacteristic of a Dave Clawson football team. That really hurt them down the stretch, especially on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, they can't play defense. We know that. That's obvious. But I don't think NC State's offense is like all that crazy good to even like be able to keep up. Um, Devin Leary, wow, he has obviously looked better this year. Um, he was the right decision, obviously over Bailey Hockman, who has left the, who has left the Middle Tennessee State program at this point. Um, uh, keep that guy's name out of this podcast. I didn't want to even think about that guy again. Yeah. I think uh, I think Wake Forest is fully capable of winning this game and win this game outright. Um, this is a bad time. I think if I think this is a good time for NC State to come in. If Wake Forest won last week in a close in a close match or a close game, um, I I think this is just a get back game for uh, Forest. I mean, geez, almost said Forest State for Wake Forest um, and NC State coming in um, as like you said, it's the de facto Atlantic game. So. I'm locking it in. This is my lock of the week. I like Wake Forest. I've liked them all year. I haven't lost a bet on them except pretty except last week when they just fell apart in the last three minutes looking like Virginia Tech in like two games this year. So, um, yeah, this is my lock of the week. I like Wake Forest at home. Yeah, that one hurt. I had Wake Forest as well. Maybe I have a little bit of vendetta against them because of what, what I said at the time was one of the worst fourth quarters of football played in, in the modern game. That was, that was bad. That was bad. And that can, you know, Chris, maybe that's kind of where you need to think about this. How, how is this team going to rebound from just an utter collapse against a rival school? Well, I think this is the perfect week to do it because if you look at the spread, it's plus two with NC State on the road. So that's Vegas telling you that NC State's actually the better football team. So you just look at that number and think that, well, everything else just across the board is showing me that Wake Forest is actually the better football team. And let's be honest, they, they have somewhat of a like schedule in front of both of them because they both play in the terrible ACC. So you're looking at strength of schedules between the two. I, I don't think that is a differentiating factor really to buy too much stock into. Uh, but I do like how Wake Forest has performed better against that terrible schedule in terms of their, uh, their rating system score. Uh, I believe they're top 10 in the country in that. NC State, not too far behind, but they're kind of in the uh, the, the 20s. Um, so Looking at PFF, um, yeah, I mean, Irby kind of hit the nail on the head. It's offense versus defense, in my opinion, this week. Although I find it really, really funny, Irby, that you said that they, NC State, represent the, probably the best defense in ACC because 
Uh, I'm pretty sure your your family ties will probably uh, push you out of the family with your Clemson dots because I, I would probably say the Clemson is the best defense still, even though their team is terrible. But it, it's not hey, because State, of the State has better numbers. State has better numbers. I bet the numbers, not the teams. You know, <laughs> I am sorry, Mister and Mrs. McDowell. Please still buy me Christmas. <laughs> hey, when they played uh, Clemson, I, I mean NC State direct. I mean they beat Clemson. Yeah, it happened. And that's something that I factored into this. And I, I just think that this is going to be a close game. But if you're picking NC State, you're picking them to win on, on the road. Granted, I do feel like you'll probably see more red uh, than black and gold in, in the stands there. I mean, you you said it earlier that um, I believe it was their 80% of their student section. But then you realize that their student capacity is like, what is that, like 3,000 people, 4,000 people? Um, I mean, There'll be more people who don't have tickets to the game wearing red in the parking lot, let alone just in the stadium in and of itself. So uh, I do feel like this is going to be somewhat of an away home crowd for the Wolfpack, um, considering it's a very quick trip for them out to Wake Forest. Um, so everything being said, all of this, I was not an early proponent for Wake Forest as a team. I just didn't buy into it. I thought their schedule preseason was going to be enough to doom them, even in the wind total section where I picked them, I believe, to go under uh, then I forgot that they have a team full of like guys who are 28 years old and in their doctoral programs, and they're just an overall senior-laden team. Uh, a lot of the product of Dave Clawson's development, even if they don't have a really good defense, they can score. And in the ACC, if you can score, you can win, because look at UVA's record. I believe that they do have this game, and I'm not going to lock it, but I was very close to thinking I think this is absolutely a get-right game. And if I'm going to trust a coach – to get his team ready to play. I'm going to bet on Dave Clawson. Um, so give me the Demon Deacons at home as somewhat of an undervalued Vegas home team this week. But um, home favorites, remember, going back to it, still hitting at about almost 80% this year. So uh, give me the Demon Deacons at home. I do not agree with Chris, so that's good at least. One of us will be right. One of us will continue to be bottom feeders in this uh, podcast. But I like Wake Forest here to bounce back after – really disappointing loss last week. I was, I had, I was very hopeful that they were going to beat North Carolina and continue this uh, little Cinderella run they've been on. It's been pretty cool to see uh, such a small school and small program play as well as they have and be, you know, nationally relevant. So it was a big bummer that they weren't able to pull that one out, but man, that offense is a lot of fun to watch. I thoroughly enjoy watching college quarterbacks take a three-step drop and actually go through progressions and throw the ball downfield. Um, that should be a prerequisite for whoever Virginia Tech hires next. But I, I, Sam Hartman's progression has been awesome. Our Lake Forest offense has been really, really fun all year. And I think at home they, they get right after that loss last week. And I don't know that NC State's able to keep up offensively. So I'm going to go with Lake Forest here. I'm a little bit interested in that. I, I kind of thought this would be a game that split the podcast uh, down the middle, but seems like a lot of people on Wake Forest. It'll be you know qu- quick question before we move on to um, we'll we'll cover a little game and then talk about the games that we actually care about this week. Is this the game of the year in the ACC? Yes. So I mean, all- it's the two best teams, but right? I mean, the two, the only two ranked teams. So, yep, I, I think you could say that these are at this point in the season, these have been the two best teams. Yeah. Um, sadly, sadly, go ACC. Yes. <laughs> go ACC. I know it, it is. Uh, well, I, you know, it's, it's sad. It's disheartening fellows, but it's in our job description. We got to talk about it. 
uh, the Duke Blue Devils are traveling to a little mountain town called Blacksburg, and they are 11-point underdogs against Virginia Tech, who is coming off of what could only be described as one of the most lackluster and uh, just sad performances that I think you will ever see from a college football team, a 17 to three loss against a four and four Boston college team. Um, I, here are my, I wrote five bullet points for this game. Do you guys want to hear them verbatim? Duke sucks. Tech with no quarterback is still a better offense than Duke. Neither coach should remain in their job next year. Best chance for the shutout all year. Hokies 24, Blue Devils 3. Uh, so I'm taking Virginia Tech minus 11. Uh, Virginia Tech historically has, act, and especially under Fuente, when they do have these offensive uh, nightmares, they tend to bounce back and score about 30 points a game. I don't think this team is capable of doing that, but I do think uh, Malachi Thomas will most likely break one or two big runs. Duke is horrendous. They are not coached well. They're not talented. They're not big. They're not fast. Um, I, I don't think beating Duke by a few scores here really does anything for the Virginia Tech program, but I think it being senior day, last game in lane, um, I, I you know they need this game to even have a shot at a bowl game. So I, I think... Uh, I think you'll see Virginia Tech defensively continue to show up. I thought they looked pretty good defensively last week. Uh, as So give me the Hokies by a few touchdowns here. You know, looking uh, at uh, total scoring offense versus total scoring defense, there are three teams in the ACC that average fewer points than they give up. And this is including, like, you know, all of these FCS games or low-grade G5 games, like, like Pittsburgh's numbers are spiked when, you know, they dropped 77 on New Hampshire. So with all that in mind, there are three teams that average fewer points than they give up. Two of them are playing in this game. Uh, Virginia Tech and Duke have the two worst scoring margins in the ACC currently. And these this is just a stinky, stinky game. Uh, I think if you especially consider... I don't know the uncertainty we have with Braxton Burmeister. Um, it's hard to speculate. Again, I feel like we're here every week speculating on a Braxton Burmeister injury. Yet um, here we are, and I think I don't know. I guess it's safer to assume that he won't play. And so if he doesn't play, and it's Knox Kadem out there, I mean, we saw what it was like on Friday night, and I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, the staff clearly doesn't trust Knox Kadem to get it done, and I don't think I do either. Um, I'm not saying I. I think it's very, very hard for to imagine Duke winning this game, but if if we come out with Knox at quarterback and it's just really, really flat, and we can't get anything going, and suddenly it's a bunch of three and outs, and you're losing the field position battle, um, then you know Mateo Durant against a pretty vulnerable rush defense that tech has could break off a couple long runs and things might start looking sketchy. Speaking of which Mateo Durant, if you're listening to this, how do you keep doing this? How are you still on this team? Like, please, for the love of God, like go play somewhere else. I don't care if it's the league or you transfer, like get out. I'll end with this. 
Taj Bullock. I know the the criticism of putting him in the game is, you know, he hasn't been in the program very long. You know, sure, he was throwing tons of deep balls and running all over New Jersey high school kids, and he hasn't really had any experience to learn the system, et cetera, et cetera. But I ask this question, how far off is Duke from a New Jersey high school defense? In the league Not he far. was playing in the league that he was playing in, I don't think the size and speed will come as a shock to him in a game situation. I really don't. Yeah. So if there's a game to throw Taj Bullock out there, it's definitely this one because it won't be very much different than what he was doing in high school. And so if if tech if tech has Taj Bullock or Braxton Burmeister out there playing quarterback, I feel confident in tech covering the eleven points. If it's Knox Kadem out there, uh I I might be leaning a little Duke, but my official pick is going to be Tech. Yeah. I I really if this was actually any other team in the ACC, I would have picked the opponent. Literally anybody. Hell, I'd even pick some G five teams in the spot. But Duke is really bad. I've had the glory of watching them this year um against a really bad Kansas team. Like really bad Kansas team that probably would have a losing record in FCS. Um, and their defense, I mean, Kansas offense was legitimately just running all over the place on them. And that's where I think that Virginia Tech can at least get to two touchdowns is because I think Malachi Thomas, Raheem Black are going to be able to run the ball. I don't even think we need to throw the ball to beat this team. They're really bad. I trust the defense. The defense, I think, is going to be fine. Mateo Durant. I'm Mike Irby. I don't know what I don't know what you're doing. Duke's great education. If you and if he wants to be a doctor one day, go for it. You know that that's where you want to be. But yeah, I, I, I'm on painfully, painfully on Virginia Tech here, just because I think that the rushing attack it, is going to be able to slash through this Duke defense pretty easily. Just because when I saw that Kansas game, what happened? Um, they made it look easy. Can't stand. Brett, I'm going to play really quick. I'm going to play a little game. All right. Virginia Tech plus 11. And I will name teams. Yes or no, would you take Virginia Tech? Okay. All right. You said G5. App State. Uh, definitely. I would take App State for sure. East Carolina. Virginia Tech. They're horrible. Charlotte. They're horrible too. Will Healy, I swear to God, if people keep talking about him becoming our next coach, I'm gonna cut you down. James Madison. Yeah, I, t- I would take I would take tech minus eleven no, let's, in the first quarter against let's stay uh, in, Charlotte. Sam, let, let, let's stay in North Carolina. High, high point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's here. James Madison. Oof. Do you take Virginia <laughs> Tech minus eleven against James Madison? I think so. I think the, the level of FCS to FBS is still huge, even like in G5 teams. Hey, we have their quarterback, so there that that's that's a leg up on the competition. Knox Cato, come on. Brett, what was the score against Virginia Tech Richmond? That is true. I mean, I can't that's true. Uh that's true. That's that's just what I think. No, I, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of teams. Yeah. All right. That was Chris. fun actually. Chris. What do you that got was the most thing? exciting part of this segment, by the way, because picking this that this spread is just really, really sad. Uh, so question for the group. Do we know who's playing quarterback for either team, really? Injury reports, midweek, Gunnar Holmberg not banged up in the pit game. Braxton Burmeister apparently doesn't have a rib cage anymore. So do we have any idea what's going on? I would actually 
for Duke, I, I think Luca Diamant, he's a true freshman from Southern California who was promised the quarterback guru of Cutcliffe. I, I think he could see some action in this one just to, you kind of have to say, just kind of save his job, something for the future, maybe. Um, I think because he could Riley see Leonard is bad. Freshman quarterbacks. Riley so, Leonard is very bad. I think you could see two true freshman quarterbacks play in this game. So this that leads me to a second question, just based off of what you just said. Who would you rather have, a quarterback guru or a whisperer? Probably an unanswerable question, but just just ponder that. We can come back to that. You, you guys can all marinate on a little bit and, and, and think of your points on that one, but. A lot of quarterback czaring, guruing, whispering going on. Uh, I, the, the takeaway for this game is it's not going to be on the field on Saturday. None of it. Um, so uh, this one was just picking uh, the, the difference between a team with kind of its collective uh, uh, senior day, backs of the wall, coming together as a program. So all of those narratives with Virginia Tech fit this week. And I just as much as we want to say and speak to all of the just issues with the coaching staff, I feel like this is going to be more of a player win and a player type game performance uh, for the Virginia tech side of the football. So um, there is no real statistical joy in looking at the performance stats to date for each of these teams. Uh, You can just look at solely uh, the run performance specifically for Virginia Tech, not just run, but run blocking in the last three weeks has been really good. Um, and when I looked at Duke, I just got a sense that they're not even a poor man's version. They're like a homeless man's version of Syracuse with a quarterback who can't run possibly as well as Garrett Schrader did against us. So I don't really know how else they're going to be able to score points because the defense in this week, who remember, we don't necessarily have a great run defense will at least be able to key in on what is a lesser version than the Syracuse running game. Um, so I, I do feel somewhat confident that that side of the ball will have a viable strategy on, on Saturday. So this one's just how do we score points? Cause if you watched any of us kind of all uh, uh, terrible uh, minutes of that last week performance, we're going to have to run the ball. It's going to be a run uh, a, a based, hopefully approach um, because Knox Kadem cannot. And Braxton Burmeister, I would just feel really bad if he was just on the field and I, 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 his, his his personal health. Um, so, yeah, I, I I do wonder, and a lot of people are kind of putting it out there, if Taj is actually going to get some playing time. I have no idea. I just don't think they would actually even need a quarterback to really win this game by more uh, than was it uh, the 11-point spread. So the final decision-maker tool for me was just put this in the wheel of destiny and the sharp college football spread pick them to see what this would look like. And I know this is agnostic of quarterback situation, but granted the situation is not good on either side of the ball. Virginia Tech was a 21-point favorite on sharp football. So that's a huge deviation from the the 10 or some of the 11-point spread. And that's on a neutral site. So this is a home, so that should be 24 points in actuality. So uh, that is where I ultimately put my decision. I have not been good at picking Virginia Tech to cover spreads this year. So that is another disclaimer. It's like, uh, written there on the side of the package before. So caution to any buyers out there, but um, give me the Hokies, give me the Hokies on senior day. Um, and just give me the fact that Duke is just not a very good football team. So uh, Virginia tech uh, plus, excuse me, minus 11 in this game. I feel bad for anybody going to this game. Uh, there was 0.0% chance that I was going to be in attendance largely because I'm going to be watching the Hokies basketball team the night before in Annapolis, but uh, just the battle of 
two teams in terrible places right now. I have very little interest in watching it. I will do so because I have a problem. Um, but I will be watching this game. I, I think Virginia Tech covers here. Um, not because of any confidence I have in our offense whatsoever, no matter who the quarterback is, but more because I do think our defense is pretty good. Uh, the Hokies defense has been good all year. Uh, they've had some, you know, chinks in the armor in various games where they struggled. But overall, the defense is pretty good. Uh, last week, you know, they were a, a fumbled interception and then a batted ball back to a tight end that got a first down. I mean, that, that was 10 points right there of the 17. So I, I think the Hokies defense will be able to keep whatever semblance of a Duke offense they have in check enough to cover um, the 11. It's just going to be gross to watch. Now, I'm going to throw in my next one here because I don't think anybody has anything else to add on Virginia Tech. Um, and it's somewhat Virginia Tech related, so I'm just going to jump right into it. But um, keep an eye on Georgia this week. That's all I'm going to say. Keep an eye on Georgia this week. So we do need to circle back to the guru versus whisper thing. This is something to where we need some some final deliberation upon. I'm personally leaning guru. I like it. It's a more powerful term. Four letters really has an own whisper. And kind of soft. I'll tell you so, what, I, I put a Twitter poll up there. Uh, Mock Society retweeted it. So go. Um, actually, the poll might be, the poll might have a few hours left by the time yeah. this gets here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go guru because I think with guru, you can kind of take any individual quarterback and mold them into what you need them to be. Whereas whisperer, you're kind of just, um, you know, Vicari- vicariously living through the quarterback. The quarterback yeah. physically isn't getting any better or spiritually in terms of the guru. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go guru. Now, Chris, you mentioned, uh, you kind of threw this in there, but a, a QB czar, if there is a that QB czar be- out there, please become Virginia tech's head coach. We need you. That is, that is, if I were a young and up, coming coach especially like a qb passing game coordinator i would sell that that would be my marketing tool that's something my breakout that's like my 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 elevator pitch like you've seen gurus and whispers but have you ever seen a czar well look at and that's why that's what would get me into the hierarchy of of kind of the more better known names out there so uh, question question on top of this question what is josh heupel because whatever he is is the answer qb god Okay, let's keep in mind. Let's keep in mind. Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel thought it was a good idea to start Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker the first game of the year. Let's keep that in mind before we pop on Josh Heupel. We all, we all got to start somewhere. We all got to start somewhere. Made mistakes in the beginning. It started out slow, but whatever he's got going on, that's the answer. Czar, God, Whisper, Guru, whatever you want to call it. But Hendon Hooker is slinging that thing right now down there in Tennessee. Well, let's you know look at some of the games around the country, including that Tennessee Georgia game. I believe the spread is at Georgia plus twenty, uh, minus twenty. Minus, Georgia me. minus twenty. Yeah. Minus twenty. Excuse me. I think it's something like that. I still think you take the dogs in that one. Um, I don't care if Hendon Hooker has a a czar, a guru, a warlock. I, I don't care <laughs> what Josh Heupel is. Um, you know, it's it's not going to happen there for Tennessee. Uh, I have. Eight games that I like that I'm going to share with the public here. I'm probably going to look for a 10-team card this weekend. Three home favorites right off the bat. Pitt minus six and a half on Friday night versus UNC. 
Not a shot. UNC scores 30-plus on that one. It, Pittsburgh's too cold. Auburn minus five and a half versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State can't kick field goals. Not a good sign of a football team. Auburn playing at home. Bo Nix, great quarterback at home. SMU minus seven and a half for Central Florida. Central Florida has not been a good team this year uh, since that comeback win against Boise in the first weekend. I like SMU at home in that one. Uh, keeping it in the state of Texas, UTSA, who hopefully should be ranked there, still undefeated. They are 33 and a half point favorites against Southern Miss, who is a god awful football team. 33 and a half is not going to be enough. I think UTSA drops a 50 burger on them. Washington is six point dogs at home against Arizona State. That's a really long trip for Arizona State to make all the way up to Seattle. Washington, you know, just fired a bunch of coaches. Jimmy Lake got suspended. They're going to need a new head coach in the offseason. But I think this is one of those games where the team just kind of rallies around itself. They might pull off an upset in Seattle. Oregon is 14-point favorites at home against Washington State. I think Oregon's starting to feel the pressure. They need style points, and Washington State has an awful rush defense. I think Oregon could run all over them. And my final one, Utah State is plus 4.5 at San Jose State. I, I just... Uh, I don't I don't see San Jose State as a better football team. Utah State has been pretty consistently good offensively all year. Uh, give me the Aggies in that matchup in the Mountain West, which is coming to in a very exciting finish uh, out West. Yeah, I got a couple. One of them, I'm, if you already said it, just cut me off or, I don't know, do something to slap me or something. Um, uh, before you start, Brett, I just got a reply on Twitter from our good friend, Mr. Treadmill Horse. Quarterback Jedi Master. Hmm. I, I'm good with that. As long as it's as long as it's Mace Windu. Yep. Oh, I was gonna say higher Luke Skywalker, but I like Mace better. As Mace. long as there are no uh, high windows in the uh, Merriman Center. Yeah. Like a quarterback, Admiral Akbar. Like how how many weird characters That's who we have now. here? That's true. We That's just need a meme of somebody superimposing his head with the it's a trap. Um, and now that would complete it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm hammering this Miami minus two and a half against Florida State. Florida State still stinks this year. Miami is on all cylinders right now. Van Dyke's looking really good. Um, I'm very scared to play them at Miami in two weeks. Uh, they look completely different right now. Manny Diaz looks like he may have saved his job for one more year running away with uh, Van Dyke next year and have a lot of players coming back. Um, that's my that's actually my lock of the week. is my full on locker week is Miami minus two and a half, even though I hate them. That's just that line's just really absurd. Uh, a couple of ones. I like it. Yeah, a couple other ones I have is uh, Michigan State minus 13 against Maryland. No way. They are just pissed off. Mel Tucker's going to have them ready. They're going, Kenneth Walker might score 10 touchdowns. They're going to boat race Maryland. Maryland's defense is garbage. Then Mike Loxley, I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how he's not on the hot seat. They have done nothing in the last like four years, really. Uh, they've recruited better. They've dumped a lot of money in facilities, done absolutely nothing. So I don't know how he's, his name's not been thrown around. It's a be on the hot seat. Um, I also really like <laughs> – this one's really funny. Um, I'm doing this just for the memes, and I haven't decided if I'm going to put money on, but I'm thinking about it. UConn plus 41 against Clemson. I think Clemson wins this game like 38 to nothing. I think uh, I like. I don't know if their offense is capable of putting up 41 points 
without a defense on the field. So that's that one is something to look out for. I will let people know if I end up putting money on that. If that changes, it's a really funny line. I just had to say something about it. Yeah, today um, in Davo's press conference, they asked him, like, oh, what do you think of UConn? And, you know, this is the time where coaches normally just spout off disingenuine compliments about the opponent. Dabo could only think to say they're young. That was the only somewhat not mean thing he could say about them was that they didn't are young. Say, didn't he? Wasn't he also like, yeah, is this is the game I lose. I wouldn't have a job. Isn't that what he would say? Didn't he, didn't he say that? Or what? somebody had said that in the press conference, like, yeah, if we were to lose this game, I wouldn't have a job or something. Along That's probably true. Uh, yeah. Let me throw another of the same realm. New Mexico State is plus 52 at Alabama. <laughs> you guys are taking all of my massive dog juice because I was going to need both of these games as well, Chris, Chris, phenomenal is it, is it, sicko bets. Are you taking New Mexico State in that one? Well, the one thing I wanted to look at was the fact that the week prior, and it's obviously a poor performance on what Nick Saban would measure uh, it against in terms of just only being able to beat LSU by six. And it's not like they're wedged in with another type game because um, they do play Arkansas, which they should you know, pretty much win that game uh, pretty handedly the following week. So I, I just don't know what the motivation here is other than just keep everybody like starters in for maybe a quarter. I just don't know who else is behind them. So this is essentially a bet on the Alabama second and third stringers, which they're all five stars. I have no idea how good they are, but um, I just don't think they're going to stop scoring. So I shied away from this one just because they, I think they played Western Carolina early and they beat them 66 to three and New Mexico state is horrible as well. One of the worst teams in college football. Um, So I, yeah, I, I, I leaned away from it. Let's say that, but I do love UConn plus 41. I feel like that is a great sicko bet this week. So if you're in for some pain, bet on the Huskies. Yeah. Last one I have, um, Penn state money line minus minus one Oh five against Michigan. Michigan is not good. I, I I'm still not They're They're fraud. They're on, they've been on fraud alert for me really all year. Um, so I think I thought they were going to be Michigan state, but they made each other look, I think they, their team just made each other look way better than they were because they haven't played anybody. Um, so I like, yeah, I like Michigan state money line. And I'm sorry, not Michigan State, Penn State money line here. I'll throw two out real quick. I only have two. I'm also on Georgia minus 20. Uh, the reason I really like this is uh, what Tennessee does, though their offense has been good and Hooker's been slinging the ball, is it's a very run-centric offense. And if you know, I mean, Tech fans, if you know from watching Hendon Hooker play for the last two years is what he does best is operating out of the RPO and the play-action game. and uh, Georgia gives up 81 rush yards a game. So I think Georgia is going to severely, severely limit what Tennessee can do running the ball. And then that'll, of course, take away the play action. And then you'll have to see Hooker in a more traditional, just drop back and pass kind of game. And that's just not how he operates. And last but not least, I really like Boston College plus two at Georgia Tech. Um, I, I know Jerkovic coming back last week, he didn't look good against Tech. Um, but I mean, listening to Jeff Halfley talk after the game, it sounds like Jerkovic really only had one day of practice uh, and was coming out there pretty cold. Um, and I think so now he'll be able to kind of get back in the groove. Georgia Tech, I mentioned those three teams that are uh, negative score differential in the ACC right now. Georgia Tech is the other one. 
So it's Virginia Tech, Duke, and Georgia Tech give up more points than they score on average. And so Georgia Tech is a bad team, and I see Jerkovic lighting them up here. And, uh, yeah, Eagles, baby. I'll uh, add one game on there because there's been a lot of thrown out here, but this one is the uh, – um, I'll, I'll call it the uh, Virginia Tech fan base coaching search uh, 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 spread pick here. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Billy Napier over there at Lafayette. They're minus seven on the road versus Troy. I'm taking Troy in this one. Uh, Lafayette, they're kind of trying to run this kind of, was it undefeated conference slate so they can get into the final Sunbelt champ game. And the rumor mills are heating up once again as they're beginning. And I mentioned this earlier in the early part of uh, the, the season. This is that time of year where a lot of the group of five coaching candidates start getting interviews and it has an effect on preparation and, and, and the team's kind of knowledge and understanding for the coach might believe in. So I think that kind of wears on a team, especially on a road game against Troy, which, you know, people don't remember that Troy is actually a pretty solid football team, um, especially at home and I'm getting seven points. So uh, give me Troy uh, plus seven this week, even though I still like Billy Napier, I feel like it's still tough for them to be able to run this guy me run the table. I love it. Well, guys, great, 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 great work as always. Always a pleasure. We will be back next week. Big week of college football this week. Last week was a little crazy. This week, shaping up to be crazy as well. Hit us up on Twitter at Locks of Saturday. All of our picks and the scoreboard for the season will be up on sonsofsaturday.com. If you go to the podcast section there in the right-hand side, it'll have our article up there. Guys, thanks. See you next week. Go Hokies.